Hi, this is Eileen Laird, and today we'll be mapping healing mindset on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I have Eileen Laird back to the mic for a conversation I know you're going to love. Eileen Laird is a writer, podcast host, and autoimmune warrior living a vital life with rheumatoid arthritis. She's the author of multiple books. Her most recent one is called Healing Mindset, a guide to the mind-body connection for people with autoimmune disease. She's reached millions of people through her popular website and podcast, Phoenix Helix, where she shares information and inspiration for autoimmune health. Eileen, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. I'm really excited to be here. I always love talking with you, and I'm honored to be back. There's so much synergy in what we do and our perspectives. It's such a joy. And you've written a beautiful new book called Healing Mindset, A Guide to the Mind-Body Connection for People with Autoimmune Disease, which we will link in the show notes. And I love the focus of this book, and there's so much to explore But I'm wondering if we can really just double click, as I like to say, dive in on the actual notion of the mind-body connection. What is it? Yeah. So how I would describe a healing mindset or the mind-body connection is harnessing the anti-inflammatory power of our minds to support autoimmune health. That's the goal in the book. It's understanding that certain thoughts and behaviors can ramp up inflammation in the body and other thoughts and behaviors can tone that inflammation down. And it's a very empowering place when you're able to use tools that access that connection to your benefit. Because the truth is we all feel the mind-body connection unconsciously anyway, right? So if you get really angry, your face might flush, right? Your heart starts to pound, your palms may sweat. If you're scared, you might have similar things. If a mild anxiety might be butterflies in the stomach, a high anxiety might be a panic attack or nausea. So that's the mind-body connection happening in a way that's not necessarily beneficial, but we are holistic human beings and what happens in our body and what happens in our mind is integrated. So the book is really a compendium of tools that you can use to harness the mind-body connection to do the opposite of what I just described. So if you are feeling overwhelmed by an emotion or overwhelmed by the stress in your life, there are tools you can use to help calm 
not just the emotional response you're having, but also calm the physiological response that happens at the same time. And I know it's practitioners who listen to this audience, so I can say big words without scaring anyone away. So psychoneuroimmunology is the scientific study of this field. So psycho is psychology, neuro is neurology, immunology. So there are thousands of studies now doing a deep dive into this connection and taking it out of kind of this woo-woo idea of the mind-body connection and really grounding it in science and everything from blood work to symptoms to quality of life, showing the impact it can have. Oh my gosh. I love how you're putting this into context for us because this mind-body connection isn't just about what we think of as mindset alone, but it's diving deep into the science or the psychoneuroimmunology of that mind-body connection. And the immunology piece is really fascinating, especially with your focus on those of us who have autoimmune conditions, because you said that we can use this mind-body connection to taper down the hyper-reaction of the immune system where it's attacking ourselves. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember the first time I heard it described, and it's a guest you've had on the podcast before, is Donna Jackson Nakazawa. And she would call it an anti-inflammatory cascade versus an inflammatory cascade. And it's all of that biochemical constant communication that's happening in our body unconsciously again, but nothing happens in a bubble. So yeah, so it's harnessing the mind-body connection, the psychoneuroimmunology to tip that in an anti-inflammatory direction. So in this book that I wrote, it's really a practical guide for people with autoimmune disease. So it's written like a conversation between friends. It has over 90 techniques and people can just open it up anywhere and try something. But I wanted it grounded in science. So there's over 140 scientific references. So I say that it's not a textbook, but it's definitely grounded in science because I'm kind of a science geek and I like having that stuff. So some of the examples of the studies, they'll show that techniques like mindfulness meditation don't just make a person feel calmer and get that beautiful pause between stress and reactivity, right? Which is its own benefit anyway, where you feel like you gain some control over the stress in your life versus being overwhelmed by it. So even if it didn't do anything physiologically and it only helped you mentally, I think that's beneficial, but they show it literally reduces C-reactive protein levels in the body. And it changes the epigenetic expression of our genes in an anti-inflammatory direction. And that's just one example. Meditation always gets picked first because it's studied the most, but there are so many different ways you can kind of tap that same benefit. And another one that's kind of fun, there was a study among patients with rheumatoid arthritis, and they took their blood levels before they watched something funny. (laughs) And then they had them watch something that made them laugh and took their blood levels again. And inflammation markers went down. And so did some of the markers that are associated with autoimmune disease expression, like IL-6 went down just from laughter. And it was immediate, which is cool. And then other studies, which is great, show long-term benefits. So they'll have someone who For example, patients with MS, again, it was meditation for them, but there was another one for patients with Hashimoto's that was kind of a more 
wide-ranging stress management program. And it not only, you know, improved mood and reduced fatigue, it actually reduced antibodies. And then they'll often come back six months later and see if it's still true. And it often is still true. And I think one of the reasons why is they're being taught tools. It's once you feel the benefits from these techniques, they move from your to-do list of what you think you should do to your list of things that you enjoy doing and get immediate benefit from doing. Oh my gosh. So much you said there, Eileen, that I want to dive into and I want to get back to those benefits. And I love that you mentioned epigenetic factors because of course I always with autoimmunity identify the three roots with the autoimmune condition being one branch of likely many others, but those three roots being the genes, digestion, and inflammation. And we're talking about that inflammation, but we're also talking about an epigenetic factor, which I identify as mindset that impacts genetic expression. And so you start to see the picture kind of back and forth between how these practices are shifting the terrain in which the autoimmune condition exists. And I love that. I love that we have that kind of power within our practices. I love that too. And since the other route you mentioned was digestion, One of the best studies I've ever read that I love showed that relaxing before a meal released more digestive enzymes than chewing. So it's one of those things again. And then, of course, there's all this microbiome research that shows how stress impacts the microbiome in a negative direction and how these types of relaxation techniques can impact it in a positive direction. So again, it's just so integrated with all of those roots that you teach. So when you talk about the mind-body connection and started to do more of this research, what were some of the myths that you encountered that we as patients think of when we think of the mind-body connection? Yeah. Well, I wrote about three big ones in the book. There are probably more out there. But I think the first one I want to mention that would resonate with anyone listening who has a chronic health condition, if you've ever been told by your doctor that it was all in your head, where your physical symptoms were dismissed and you were referred to a psychiatrist, you might really object to the idea of a mind-body connection because you have been not seen as a whole person. Patronized, gaslit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I would say the doctor was expressing the myth that the mind is everything and the physical isn't happening. And then you as a patient might be experiencing, you have to fight so hard to be taken seriously that you have physical symptoms that you might really close off the idea that your mind has any impact at all. And the truth is between those two things. Your physical symptoms are absolutely real and the mind-body connection is absolutely real. And so if you can support both your mind and your body at the same time, that's a really powerful way to approach your healing. And the mind-body connection allows you to not cut off either one of those avenues. And then the other myth that I think can be really harmful, and you may see it a lot online, are people who tell you you can cure yourself with your mind and maybe shame you for not successfully doing that. I can't tell you how many people early in my journey, it doesn't happen a lot now, would contact me through my website telling me that I clearly had spiritual or emotional blocks that caused rheumatoid arthritis. And if I could just become enlightened or cured by them often, they often had some spiritual, they believed gift where they could cure me. And it was just so incredibly frustrating because 
I have always approached my healing from every level, right? So not just physical, but also mental, spiritual, emotional. And I think a lot of us, part of the grief process with chronic illness is going through a denial phase. So you really want to believe that you can cure yourself. (laughs) And so it's not uncommon to try and set that goal and then fail at it. And I think for me, that was part of my journey. So I've had rheumatoid arthritis for 10 years now. And I definitely know in the first year, I wasn't just trying to live well, I was trying to cure myself. And part of coming to terms with having an incurable illness was, it was a lot of self-compassion and a lot of grace and a lot of surrender, but still feeling very empowered. And I would even argue more empowered because instead of trying to do something impossible, I started embracing what was possible. And that made me so much happier and so much healthier than trying to hit a brick wall of something I couldn't achieve. Right. Yeah. And there's so much empowerment in what you're saying right there, Eileen, and in how you share with us in that very conversational way in the book, because we're either looking for it from ourselves, oftentimes, I can fix this, or we're looking for it outside of ourselves in that one doctor or practitioner who's going to fix us or heal us. And what you're bringing us into is the reality where it's this dance with all of our practices, recognizing where not to also be obsessive, but embracing of things. And I don't know if I'm using the right words there, but I think that notion that it's more of a dance, so to speak, and less of a fix takes us out of that sympathetic state that also is triggering the inflammatory process in that mind-body connection. That is the irony. I I mean, when you approach it in that very all-or-nothing way, that's an inflammatory mindset. You're absolutely right. There's no question. And if you approach it in a fluid, empowered self-compassionate, self-loving, allowing yourself grace for good days and bad days, and starting to really learn a lot of tools in all sorts of areas that improve your health and leave you feeling that you have agency over your health, even if you cannot cure yourself. There's a chapter in the book where I just go ahead and list 10 benefits of the mind-body connection, and I want to just say them all out loud because I know I just said to people, there's no cure. And if there's anyone listening who hopes there was, I want to tell you what is possible. And it's pretty amazing. So the mind-body connection can be used to reduce stress, as we know, of course, reactivity, reduce inflammation. It can improve sleep. It can improve digestion. It can reduce pain. It can increase willpower to make healthier choices in our lives. It can improve mental clarity with brain fog being such a huge side effect of chronic illness. That's very powerful. It can improve fatigue, give you more energy. That's another really common side effect of chronic illness. It can improve your relationships because stress comes out sideways. And when we are really unhappy and unhealthy, sometimes we don't treat the people who love us as well as we would like to. And so it's one of those things that research shows the more compassionate we are with ourselves, the more compassionate we become with others, and it just improves health overall. I say that list out loud to everyone listening. I also say it to myself because I just feel myself lifted up with possibility and hope. And it's all true instead of something that's not true. 
Yeah, that brings us beautifully into those benefits and that center part of the matrix, which I was going to ask you about. I'm wondering, Eileen, in addition to this uplift that you have from knowing the benefits that you just listed for us, how else did this deep dive writing the book help you and how are you seeing it to help others? there's two ways I want to answer it. So when I talk about all the uplifting benefits of the mind-body connection, it's a good time to say that doesn't mean the goal is to be happy (laughs) 24-7, even though we'd love to be. I mean, in some ways, that sounds pretty great, but might be boring. I don't know. A lot of techniques in the book are really about allowing yourself to feel everything that you feel and finding safe ways to release and explore emotions that can be overwhelming or frightening or painful or uncomfortable. And it's human nature for most of us to turn away from pain. But research does show, again, psychoneuroimmunology, that the more you repress an emotion, the more you actually strengthen it and the less control you have over it. It's going to come out some way. It's just not going to come out in the way that you would choose. And it can come out as a physical symptom or it can come out in behavior we're not proud of. And so when you use mind-body techniques, and there are a lot of tools in the book that help create like a vessel for you to explore those emotions in a way that you don't feel overwhelmed. Not only is it empowering, but it's a huge release. And I'll say, I'll be honest, like I'm someone who likes to try and like fix, quote unquote, or manage my challenging emotions instead of feel them. And, you know, I've been in therapy as a lot of people have, and it was very helpful. And that's one of the lessons I learned was that I need to give myself space and permission to feel. And it's a relaxation that comes when I do, which is ironic. So say I'm feeling a lot of anxiety in a way that's making me uncomfortable on a certain day, and I'm trying to just kind of ignore it or distract myself or power through. If I pause and do a technique like RAIN or EFT and allow myself to feel that emotion, my whole body relaxes. So, and I wasn't aware my body was tensing up as I was trying to ignore that emotion, but it was happening. And then when I release it, it may go away, it may not, but what does change is it's okay. I feel softer about feeling it, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm not fighting it anymore. And then, you know, when you relax and stop that fight, it's similar to trying to fight an autoimmune flare. It tends to make it worse instead of better. I think emotional flares are similar. So I started writing this book in 2019, and I spent three years researching it and writing it. And so, of course, as we all know, the pandemic happened during that time and intense world events that haven't stopped. I think we have been under a huge amount of shared stress and trauma for years now. And so I actually picked the perfect book to write during this time because By making time to write a book that focused on this, I was reminded every time I sat down to write of the tools that were available to help me navigate a very difficult, say, public and world time. But then from a personal perspective, and again, we've been at this long enough now, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. Life continues on and we have our own challenges that are not worldwide. Both of my parents died during the writing of this book. And so they were towards the end of their lives, not healthy. So I will say it was a blessing for them. Still heavy grief for me, right? I mean, even though I was glad that they were no longer suffering, I'm now in a life without 
my parents. And so there was a lot of grief, speaking of emotions that can be overwhelming for me to navigate. And then there was some chaos in my family, (laughs) which often happens with death and throws everything kind of off balance. So there was a lot of that to navigate too. I ended up having a health setback. I think again, psychoneuroimmunology wise, it was a lot of pressure I was under. And that caused some symptoms in my foot that required actually, uh, it was a pressure sore, ironically. It was under a lot of pressure. I got a pressure sore that got infected and required surgery and actually put me in a wheelchair for a few months for the first time in my life. So it was a lot. Like I went through a lot. And instead of this book being a burden during that time, it was a support. And that was something I I never would have predicted. I, I didn't know what was coming. And I thought I was writing the book for other people, and I was, but it absolutely, this book was and continues to be for me as well and always will be, I think. Mm, That was the message I needed to hear today, Eileen, as I have the pressure of writing my first book. So I want to thank you for that. And I also just want to thank you for giving us as practitioners a tool that we can use with our clients and patients to really shift the inflammatory cascade. In speaking to practitioners, is there anything else you wish we would know about utilizing the book as part of our therapeutic care with our patient populations? Yes. Well, I've heard from a lot of practitioners, which is really wonderful that they're recommending it to a lot of their patients. And I think because it is so practical. So the other thing to just know about the book for the technique chapters, everyone is based on a theme. So it might be gratitude or self-compassion or positive visualization or navigating grief. And there will be four mind-body techniques in the book that can be used to do that. And then there's beginner tips and troubleshooting steps and further resources and a research highlight and a patient testimonial from someone who has used one of those techniques in a beneficial way. So it's very non-intimidating way for your clients to tap into something that can feel kind of murky. And a lot of people, the only thing they've ever heard of with a mind-body connection is they think meditation, and then they think that's something they can't do. Maybe they tried it and didn't like it in a specific way. The meditation chapter talks about all the different ways you can meditate, which is nice. But even if they say don't want to try meditation, there's so many other things they can try. So what I recommend with the book is that giving people freedom to use it any way they want. There's no right or wrong way to use it. They don't have to read it cover to cover. They can if that's their personality. I have one person who said she keeps it by her bed at night and opens it every night to do a technique. Another person uses it after breakfast every morning, and they just let serendipity be their guide, and they open it somewhere and do what's there. So that's another way it can be used. So it's just super practical. I love workbook-style things. Me too. Brilliant. What a great tool. And I really appreciate that you created this so that we all have that wealth of resources, both the practical and then understanding the science behind it. You're the perfect person to put that all together for us. Eileen, thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing so much of your story and your work. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, 
Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.